Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action. And welcome to another week from Wisconsin. And we have our full panel with us, which is Jorna Taylor, who is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, welcome. Good morning from rainy, snowy, should be spring Wisconsin. Oh, it's beautiful out. <laughs> Robert Craig, our Executive Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. Robert. Morning, everyone. So this is uh, truly the battleground state right now. We have the presidential campaign has landed in Wisconsin with the Arizona primary uh, fiasco. Debacle. (laughs) Past us, I think, maybe. I'm not sure. We'll just sort of ignore that for the moment. But uh, Wisconsin. Arizona, as a matter of fact. Who thinks there's a right to vote in America? So we could could go deeply into that whole (laughs) conversation, but I'm sure you've... uh, seen plenty on Facebook. Um, we want to talk about Wisconsin now being the focus, right? We, w- There's nothing else going on. We it's, like to be the focus. We are the focus. And, uh, you know, six months ago, it was unclear whether we would still have a competitive campaign going through. Uh, at the time, I believe everyone thought it was going to be George Bush or Scott Walker would have be cruising to victory and Hillary. But no, we have incredibly competitive races on both sides. And so we're going to spend some time this week talking about that. So we're going to start with the Democratic primary. And uh, I want to start by at least uh, mentioning the latest polling numbers. Uh, the Marquette poll is already now a month behind us. And uh, yesterday, uh, a new poll came out from Emerson College. On the Democratic side, it found Hillary Clinton leading 50 to 44 percent. So that's a six-point margin and about 5 percent undecided. So still a extremely tight race. Um, but the dynamic here being this is a race that clearly Bernie Sanders has to win and has to win big to sort of get this going back. Robert, you look like you want to kick us off here. I just want to say that people run with the latest poll all the time. This poll had a sample size of 354 people and a margin of error of 5.2. That is an amazing margin. So, so hence, again, I just tied, say, as I said. It's <laughs> probably a very close race, and we don't even know that they don't even know who the electorate's going to be. So everyone thinks it's a competitive race, and the Clinton folks are trying to tramp down expectations, meaning that they are concerned that it could be very close or they could lose. And Bernie is trying to draw a line in the sand in Wisconsin, which he probably wouldn't do if he didn't think he had a chance of winning it. So and I think what we know about Wisconsin would suggest that uh, that race will be very close one way or another, most likely. Joanna? So I agree. I think this is an up-for-grabs race. And I, I also agree that we still don't know what this electorate looks like. We also have layered into this a number of other factors. We have this Kloppenberg-Bradley state Supreme Court race here in Milwaukee. We have a highly contentious county executive race. So it, it remains to be seen. And then we have these two contentious primaries on the Democratic side and the Republican side. And so I think it really remains to be seen who turns out for which of their candidates and that will decide a whole bunch of it which you know obviously oh it remains to be seen who turns out and votes that's how an election is called but you know i think that it's interesting that that folks are saying that this is bernie's last stand and that he's really putting everything into wisconsin and it's all over when very clearly jeff weaver his campaign manager and, and the senator himself have said they're going all the way to the convention so i 
you know, they're playing an expectations game too. I wouldn't be surprised if Bernie comes out on top, but um, I don't think it'll be a blowout. Yeah, well, look, I'm glad you pointed out the fact that the idea that this is his last stand, no. Now, it's no, bit, no, 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 of course not. That narrative is is kind of silly. But nonetheless, very important. Uh, speaking of turnout, it is the state uh, came out this week saying they expect turnout to be about 40 percent, which would be uh, near record, I believe, going back to like the 60s Kennedy elections. So we are expecting a significant turnout. And, and to be clear, this presidential primary is largely determining that. And and so, yeah, it's it's really important, and particularly the Kloppenberg race, very important in terms of this Democratic well, turnout, if she's going to be able to compete with the surge from the other side. And I think it's interesting, if you look back at podcasts from two months ago when we were talking about all of this before the spring primary election, oh, well, we don't know if, you know, if Bernie will still be in the race. We don't know if it will have been decided on the Republican side. Will Trump have imploded? Will, will Trump have imploded? <laughs> will we be down to this candidate? Will Jeb be the nominee or Marco. Oh, wah, wah. Um, but it's it's a very different scenario, I think, than any of us ever imagined even two months ago. Yeah, the scenario on the right is extremely interesting since yeah. there's uh, almost the entire Republican establishment is for Cruz, some for Kasich, like Tommy Thompson, and very little for uh, for the Trump Republican front runner. So there's a civil war in the Republican Party going on, and there are explanations out there about how Wisconsin Republicans are especially tied to the National Republicans because of Paul Ryan, uh, because of who's the guy who runs the RNC again? What's that guy's name with a weird oh, name? Rinsey. 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 Priebus. Priebus. And uh, it looks like Walker is about to endorse Cruz at this at this recording based on the uh, the hints out there. Uh, not, and he thinks so, an open convention isn't a bad thing. But it really is. I think he's holding out hope. It, <laughs> it really is like choosing between, like, Nixon and Wallace or something like that. I mean, we, we, we really go back to that era, uh, the late 60s, early 70s, to, to see anything quite like this, since Perot didn't try to contest for the Republican nomination in 1992. Uh, it's also, rather than just being all horse raced up, at, like, the, like the TV pundits, uh, we should say this that since there'll be a lot of attention on Wisconsin, this is an opportunity to talk about issues. So Citizen Action will be talking about the health care positions of the candidates. Uh, God-awful, throw 18 million people off health care on one side, and different versions of a strong health care policy on the Democratic side, which we will talk about. And then on outsourcing, which is really interesting because you have Trump, who claims to be for the American workers, so we need to delve into that since I don't think he necessarily has credibility. And you have Cruz saying he's going to bring all of these wor the jobs back to America while confronting the radical Islamic terrorists, he told Char Charlie Sykes. The only Cruz plan I can imagine bringing work back to the United States is driving wages so low that they're lower than in Mexico and China, and therefore jobs will come back. So, Robert, I'm really glad you mentioned not only the Republican primary. We'll, we'll I guess we'll wrap up the Democratic primary and segue <laughs> into the Republican primary. But, Robert, I'm glad you mentioned trade, and I'm glad you mentioned that issue that also we've got this entire establishment, the Republican establishment in Wisconsin, Reince, Priebus, and everybody here really laying it down, right, and trying to figure out how do you stop Trump. Wanted to play a very interesting clip on Wisconsin Public Radio, which mentioned that, right, Trump's leading without any endorsements. But, well, there actually is one gentleman, and it's worth finding out why he supports Trump. 
Mobley says he's not familiar with any other elected officials in Wisconsin who support Trump. But I'm sure that there will be more and more in the future. Still, for the time being, no members of Wisconsin's congressional delegation, no state lawmakers, and no statewide public officials past or present have publicly endorsed Trump. The campaign's national headquarters didn't return requests for comment about any other endorsements in the state. Mobley says he supports Trump because of the candidate's opposition to the Trans-Pacific Partnership, an international trade deal. Mobley also says he appreciates that Mr. Trump doesn't support broad intervention in the Middle East. So there you go, right? Trade. And we talked about this extensively on previous podcasts and our concern around Trump, right, in, in, in this issue. And so the one uh, Republican who's out there, it's on trade. And, and then, Robert, you mentioned Cruz's statements on trade. It really shows how this issue has fundamentally changed in this election cycle. And that is worth talking about. And it's the danger of Trump, because Trump may credibly be able to take that issue away from Democrats in the general election. And it's the danger in the Democrat side, unlike on health care, where I think it's, it's at least a draw, uh, because Hillary is uh, also proposing a lot of things to build on the Affordable Care Act. On trade, Hillary has come around on outsourcing is actually quite radical on taking money back uh, from uh, something we've strongly support from companies that outsource. Um, but she has a credibility gap partly because of her husband and because of his administration and because of her previous support for trade policies. And so that's going to be the issue. And that was the issue in Michigan. But it was not an issue as much in upper parts of the Midwest. She won Ohio, for example. She won Missouri, which has a big manufacturing base. She won Illinois. And so I'm not saying that that's a done deal, how that turns out. But then against Trump, she'd have to face it again if she's the Democratic nominee. Jorna, I know where you're going here. Why don't you go? Not today, patriarchy. (laughs) Not today. (laughs) Listen, nothing gets me going anymore than us holding a woman accountable for her husband's actions and us not giving credence to a woman for her own foreign policy experience and just uh, we have to stop doing that because Bernie Sanders does that to her as well right he makes her you know she has to Hillary Clinton stands on stage during these debates and this is this is infuriating to me and she is asked questions by these moderators about you know justifying that she's a woman and that she can care about women's rights and that she can also care about other things but you know well isn't it because she's a woman that you know she has to care about these things and then Bernie says something like oh yep Hillary's a woman and she can care about that and the crowd goes wild so, not today patriarchy but, but hold on I'm glad we're back to the democratic primary here Welcome to the primary. So just on the trade issue, I was talking about the horse race part. I don't think she should be held responsible for Bill. But she didn't have a great policy herself on trade until recently. But I am, because I think this kind of got you politics where someone only has one position ever, that people don't evolve is silly and it's not the way leadership works. So I'm open, quite open personally, to the idea that Hillary has come around on the idea that trade policy has been used to rig the system against workers. And, you know, she didn't have to come out and come for a clawback position, which a lot of Democrats, we've had great leaders like Senator Hansen and Representative Jorgensen and Colsty take strong positions and introduce bills. But a lot of Democrats have actually, not, while not publicly opposing them, have not really supported them internally. So she has taken a very strong stand. So I'm open to the fact, idea that, that, 
she has evolved on the issue. But I'm just saying that from a horse race standpoint, oh, no, no, no. There's a, that she has a credibility issue whenever <laughs> you evolve. You have a credibility issue you have to overcome. You can't overcome it. I mean, the greatest evolving politician in American history is probably freaking Ronald Reagan, who managed to sound principled Truth. all the time as he evolved constantly. Um, um, just <laughs> Battleground Universe uh, podcast <laughs> fans, uh, in no way am I implying that Robert is part of the patriarchy. Um, but I, I think that that demonstrates just how steeped into the narrative about Senator Clinton that this is, where it really is part of the talking points on both the left and the right that she is still beholden to her husband's policies. And that's just effed up. So <laughs> what I think is also really important about this issue here is I think Hillary's position, and she did it extremely publicly, ran the ads, Johnson Controls was at the center of this, is part of the reason she was able to win Ohio and Illinois and stem the tide. There was a lot being written after Michigan that that she was vulnerable on here and it was going to roll, right? She started to turn it around in Michigan where the ad started running. But I think uh, her change position there, actually evolution, however you want to say it, right, um, has been critical and may be part of what may help her here in Wisconsin stabilize things, particularly in Milwaukee, Right in other places of the state where we know this issue uh, is huge, um, and uh, so I think it's very interesting. And I, I, the way it's playing out now in the Republican primary, I'm glad Robert brought up issues and getting beyond the horse race because this issue we're going to be talking about a lot going forward. It's going to play a big role in and, this election. And I have a piece of unsolicited advice, more to the whisperers in Hillary's ear, because there are all sorts of of political operatives that will be telling her, after you beat Bernie, now you track to the center on this. Right. No, no, right. no, no, right. no, no. And I think she will get that, but she needs to not listen to those voices, which will exist and probably exist already. Well, so I want to take a little step back into the Republican primary, right? Um, so real quick on this, I don't know if people's thoughts are on this, if you think Trump, I know it's a little horse racy, but do we think Trump can hold on here, right? Or... or is this where the tide really starts to significantly change? Can, can it would we, be a unique role for Wisconsin, right? Can we stop implying that? that the Republicans are anything like horses? <laughs> George and Reno are insulted by your insinuation. <laughs> um, let's talk about the real thing here. Uh, can Trump hold on? Back, I mean, back to the polling, yeah. Jorna. I mean, it's now a dead heat in that same really bad poll Robert brought up. It does show movement, right? I mean, Trump had a 11-point uh, lead in the Marquette poll. I think it's pretty safe to say... This he poll wins may Wisconsin. show it's tied. Uh, he you wins see Wisconsin. Trump winning. Okay, he wins very good. Wisconsin. You know he's gonna he's gonna he's got to show up here at some point, right? I don't I haven't seen that an event <laughs> has been announced, but he hasn't been to Wisconsin at all. But he's gonna show up. He's gonna come to Wisconsin. He's gonna do his hair thing and his rambling statements. He'll do some crazy ad boards. If people have not read the Washington Post um, editorial board with Donald Trump, they should because it's phenomenally fascinating. Um, but he wins Wisconsin. Robert? So what's interesting is, is that there's been a whole lot of focus on Trump. I mean, he was just kind of a celebrity candidate. Now there's been a lot of hand-wringing, a lot of Trump on this, Trump on that. Trump doesn't believe in this or that, isn't a real Republican. With Cruz, the whole narrative has now become that he's the only way to beat Trump. How much actual public examination of Cruz has there been? And that's the problem here. And that starts to happen at some point. At some point, Cruz just can't be, I'm not Trump. And then you really look at Cruz, and it's like, oh, my yeah. goodness gracious. D don't do that. 
Well, yeah. I mean, if you look close at Cruz. His wife tries not to. <laughs> I mean, we have some of the same kind of immigration policies. And this week he was just talking about what Muslim-like squads that can go around and look for Muslims. I, what? I mean, really, really conservative stuff here in Cruz. When people start to look a little deeper, he's the most conservative one of the bunch that ran. Mm-hmm. And the notion that he's their savior, I just think has him tied in knots, right? Like, this is. He freaks out most of the crazy right wing elected officials in places like the Freedom Caucus in D.C. I mean, you know. So this is really like, you know, the guy used to be the head of the John Birch Society 40 years ago, right? Kind of guy. And so I don't, they, they have a real problem. And this, the attack on Kasich is very interesting. Kasich obviously has a gigantic ego and just believes that his merit as a candidate, because he balanced budgets, is going to somehow get him through at some point. Where, quite frankly, if they if they do, they're more likely to jump to Paul Ryan than than go with Kasich. Well, I, and I like the notion that you know Kasich. Oh, I'm going to stay in through Wisconsin and blah blah blah. Great, you're not going to get the nomination, so carry on with your vice presidential run here. Then that's fine. I, I you know me, I like a good Veep candidate. But people have to stop thinking that Kasich is somehow this moderate good guy who you know when you peel away the layers, he really just cares about people. Hell no. When you peel away the layers, he's just even more right wing and more right wing. He did horrible things in Ohio. You know, he did a lot of the same things that Scott Walker tried here in Wisconsin, did here in Wisconsin. I apologize. So so let's not, you know, so he's going to be a non starter in this race, but he's not a savior. He tried the same attack on labor. They just had a citizen's veto where you could overturn it. Walker's would have been overturned as well if they'd been a citizen's veto rather than just a recall. And the other scary whisper that's going on, not to scare podcast listeners, maybe Brian needs music for this, is a possible Cruz Walker ticket. Dun, 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 does get Walker out of here. Anyways, look, I, I, tend, to, I tend to agree with Jorna. I, I think there's going to be a real surge of voters in this election. As everybody knows, we still do have same-day registration. And I think you're going to see a lot of Trump and additional uh, and Jorna, on the Democratic side. I think I have, we're going to see Trump I have Trump a question winning. for Jorna Uh-oh. as an expert in these things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> the, the, the first trial run on photo ID was a very low turnout election. Correct. Do you predict problems? Yes, absolutely, yeah. because we saw problems on February 17th. And we saw problems with the implementation of photo ID and questions from our colleagues. I fielded questions from folks who I would have expected that would have known all of this, and it was still confusing to us who work on it. So that's a problem. Look, yeah, there's there's a number of issues that are going to show up beyond even just having the ID, the, the fact that your address, if you're registered, doesn't have to be accurate. I think we're going to have a lot of poll workers who won't know that, and they're going to be sending people away. Um, so we want to remind our listeners, it is important to remind folks you do need to bring your state ID uh, t- to vote. You can find what sort of IDs are acceptable at bringit.gov. Yeah, bring it. Bring that it. is the um, Government Accountability Board website. Um, and this is the last fling of the, the Government Accountability Board, right? It is the last fling. We, we won't go down that that uh, rabbit hole. But, yeah. um, you know. So want to remind voters that early voting has begun and will continue next week. So through Friday of next week at 5 p.m., all municipalities have to shut down their early voting at 5 p.m. because <laughs> that's what the Republicans wanted. Uh, so 
<laughs> I mean, he used to be able to show up until like the day of, right? The day and before. Definitely, you cannot go on the weekend because that would be convenient. That's for bad. Some folks. That is really bad. I'm really glad that they got rid democracy. of that. But uh, so everybody knows you can. In for example, in Milwaukee, it's open till 7 p.m. again until that Friday when it closes at five because that's what the Republicans wanted. Um, and really, there is no other reason. <laughs> there is no other reason. 5 p.m. So uh, the deciders have decided. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I'm the decider. So, uh, folks, make sure you get out and vote. And again, we mentioned it a little bit before. The state Supreme Court race is very, very important. Uh, we are, of course, supporting Joanne Kloppenberg uh, because the other candidate is not qualified. Because <laughs> she's a crazy train. Have yeah. they pulled down the child molester ads? Uh, yes. Uh, um, but you say that the state Supreme Court race is really important. Critical. It is critical, but you know what else is critical? All those local races yep. for city council and county board and school board and all those folks, because those people that you're electing to the Richland Center County Board today, those progressives, those are your next state legislators. Those are our next folks that we're sending to Congress. Those are maybe even our next presidential candidates. Who knows? But building a bench in Wisconsin is essential as well. So don't just go and vote top of the ticket. Yeah, and I want to encourage people to get out and do some work over the next couple of weekends and do some phone banking, make some calls, get involved in your community, uh, supporting uh, the candidates that uh, we know we need to win. Uh, in, in Milwaukee, I want to encourage you this Saturday to come out to the Peace Action Center. Uh, 1001 East Keefe will be there from 9 o'clock on all day doing canvassing. So please join us. So, Jorna, I heard, I could be wrong, that Paul Ryan this week was talking about Donald Trump. He had a whole speech about Trump, didn't he? No. No. What? What? He was talking about this horrible, terrible plague that was besetting the Republican Party. What, what was he talking about? Not Donald Trump. Oh, not Donald Trump. Please tell me more. <laughs> I don't track this stuff close <laughs> enough, apparently. Well, um... You know, there's actually a great Vox article that podcast listener Jonathan Levine sent me. Oh, nice. Hey, Jonathan. A little, little shout out for my friend Jonathan, a uh, longtime listener. Um, that, you know, it starts about how how Paul Ryan is really, you know, the, the leader of the party. He's de facto, right? I mean, not everybody really right, wants a him. a party to lead. It's, it's a... <laughs> it's a party. Right I'm not sure which party is is more of a co cobbled together tent. <laughs> Ours or theirs. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of hype going up into this speech and he was going to make this bold statement and blah, blah, blah. And then he gave this, you know, boring, lengthy, did not mention Trump, but implicitly endorses the tactics, essentially, and the presidency of Trump by doing so, by not actually leading, in my opinion. And continues to hold out, right? Like, Hey, as bad as I have suggested this guy is, I'll so, vote for him. Just to be clear, that it, he attacked ugliness, right? Not Trump. Ugliness, right? Well, so he wasn't talking about We're the, not talking... You know, candidates shouldn't be judged on their appearance, Robert. Right. Why is so he talking he about Ted Cruz about again? about the squirrel on the top of Trump's head. <laughs> uh, what he was talking about was this, that Trump has, refuses to receive the memo that says you must use a dog whistle right. while, ra while, while building <laughs> up club. <laughs> racist attitudes and uh, xenophobic and, and nativist attitudes. And so Trump won't get the memo and just keep saying it directly and plainly, and this is ugly. But it's perfectly fine to communicate these messages in a civil way, as Paul Ryan has his own career, about the 
uh, about the the people who are who are trapped in poverty by the government and by their lack of work ethic and aren't like Paul Ryan who worked at McDonald's when he was 16 and therefore everyone should be fine with minimum wages as to what they are right it's, and that I mean so that's all fine so this isn't really I mean. If ugliness, in terms of the message you're delivering, was the uh, was the essential measure, there'd be nothing different in Trump, right? Nothing whatsoever. So just remind, remember, and they're worried about the political ramifications of it, actually, because the whole point of the dog whistle is deniability. Oh, we didn't say anything racist. Well, right. I mean, Republicans can't run away from Trump because completely because if he's going to be their nominee, they're screwed either way. Their voters are flocking to him. Right. Their voters are flocking to him. They're screwed if they run away from him completely and they're screwed if they tie themselves completely to them in some ways in their home districts. Um, So this this sort of apathy it's not even apathy this sort of like hold your nose and say nothing that we see going on among the republican establishment and among their leaders is is fascinating to watch where on our side we see folks going crazy when an endorsement comes out of why did you endorse that person over that person and and it's leading to you know some good and some vile debate but at least there's a conversation going on and at least we're seeing some leadership of our elected officials in in Picking a side. So, Wisconsin, the primary is right in front of us. We will not have a podcast next week where there's a panel. We are trying to see if we can uh, get uh, Joanne Kloppenberg to do an interview, and we'll ho- hopefully have another that. special guest. Yeah, Joanne well, is too busy campaigning, which we, would be understandable. We just realized we're going to be unable to bring a show next week, so we wanted to you know, talk in detail about the uh, primary today. And we'll, we look forward to uh, debriefing when we get back together in two weeks. But uh, Jorna, what are you going to be doing uh, this weekend or... Or next you know, weekend? Or for all the educators, there's some educators that are on spring break next week, I know, in Milwaukee. <laughs> but um, what's going on? Um, so this weekend, I'm going to spend some quality time, of course, with everybody's favorite horses. Jorge and Reno. Jorge and Reno. Um, But I am also presenting to uh, a group, uh, a conference of Muslims in Milwaukee. Uh, I believe it's the Democratic Party's Caucus of Muslims on voter protection and being prepared to vote on April 5th. So I'm excited about that. Well, while you're at it, you might want to recruit some people for the uh, Cruz and Trump patrols. (laughs) Robert, what are you going to be doing? Well, one thing that... uh, uh, an issue that we forgot to mention was simply I'll be preparing for the big hearing next week on the merger of Humana and Aetna, so the creation of uh, uh, four of the uh, uh, top five health insurance companies in the country are trying to merge, and Wisconsin is the place where Humana and Aetna is being examined by Walker's Insurance Commissioner's Office next Wednesday. So uh, that you'll see information on our website about that and how that will raise prices and potentially risk 3,700 jobs in Wisconsin being outsourced, 3,000 of them in the Green Bay area. And then uh, my weekend furlough is still in planning, but I probably have to go to Chicago because my brother Ted and I, on our way through with a U-Haul truck full of my Aunt Eloise's possessions, and she passed away, promised my mother that we would go back very, very soon and organize a lot of the boxes that we uh, deposited in her attic. So I think that probably has to happen this weekend. So, Robert... um just curious, have you gotten your resume together yet? Is it in? Did you get it in? My resume? The job's open. Which job is open? Come on, Pittsburgh basketball uh. coach is open. Jamie Dixon stepped down, and I just assume, since you podcast listeners know, Robert's about as big a Pittsburgh, 
Pittsburgh honk in basketball as there is, probably could coach the team. I assume the resume I don't will claim, be in next week. I don't claim that particular talent, <laughs> actually. Uh, yes, well, maybe Scott Ross could apply, too. Uh, yeah. I know he's a Pittsburgh fan who's actually, I believe, still officially banning and are not engaged with Pittsburgh over their failures in the tournament so maybe scott could get together and, and rectify that which coach could rectify it yes yeah, so yeah. anyways well you pittsburgh fans you got to find I a don't new think, coach I think his, his boycott's only the basketball team <laughs> my understanding is he's going to the pit penn state game in football <laughs> this year <laughs> well i am spending most of my weekend actually canvassing uh, i have a number of uh uh, uh Groups I'm actually going out with, two different groups. Might be a third now uh, as of this morning. Uh, it is not a furlough, I know. But Violating it's its own rules. Well, here's why it is a furlough. It's in my own neighborhood. One thing we've been doing here at Citizen Action in the, our Milwaukee program is allow, it's trying to enable people to go canvas in their own neighborhoods and have conversations with people that they know and people that they live by. We think it's a more persuasive, persuasive and effective way uh, particularly to deal with the ads and the commercials. Uh, and and so I've got a lot of friends uh, who are involved in that, and a couple of them need uh, need some training wheels this weekend. So I'm going to do, do, do a little uh, doors with some friends, and hopefully there'll be people who will continue to stay involved in this kinds of activity. Uh, the other thing I'm doing this weekend is I, I have to buy a new motorcycle. My son is uh, moving up to the 250 class. It's crazy to think of, my small little son on a 250, but... Um, want to thank Aaron Frank, who is a good progressive, and I think even might listen to the podcast for agreeing to uh, sell us his 250 at a very good price. So, looking forward to uh, doing that this weekend and starting to prepare. Our race season is as of Sunday, one week away. So, with that, we want to thank Brian Woolridge, who makes the podcast happen every week, and we will have a special podcast again next week. Uh, and hopefully, we will all see y'all back here in two weeks here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. Don't forget to get out and vote, everybody. Thank you.